0: I'm Whitney, I'm Danielle, and we are the founders of Sakara Life, on a mission to nourish your body and
1: transform your life. Sakara is a Sanskrit word that describes the action of turning your thoughts into things and manifesting your reality. We believe that who we surround
0: ourselves with, what we watch, what we listen to, what we eat, the information that we take in impacts the way we think and therefore who we are.
1: The conversations that follow are with bold thinkers who have had an impact on how we view the world, ourselves, and what it means to live the Saqqara life. The intention of these conversations is to push each of us to greater heights so that we can turn our thoughts into things and all shine our light a little brighter. We are so
0: excited to be on this journey with you. Welcome to the Sakara Life.
1: It's our absolute pleasure to have Elisa Vitti joining us today. Elisa is one of the experts that we personally go to when we have questions about our menstrual cycles or our hormones, and she is also one of the only experts in female biohacking. More on that later. You might know Elisa's first book, Woman Code, which holds a spot in the top 50 best-selling women's health books of all time, and it has been dubbed the Period Bible. Elisa studied at Johns Hopkins University as well as the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and is the founder of the Flow app. It's one of those period apps, but it doesn't just track your period, it tracks so much more. Her new book, In the Flow, teaches us how to work with instead of against our bodies and to honor every phase of our cycle. Just like us, she's on a mission to help women feel their best so that they can live their best lives. She believes that dietary and lifestyle changes can help women deal with complex hormonal issues. This is a topic that we all have so many questions around. It's going to be a hot topic for sure, so we're excited to have her on the podcast today. Please welcome Elisa Vitti. We are so excited to have our friend Elisa Vitti on the podcast with us today.
0: Welcome. Yay, yeah. I'm so happy to be with and you. And congrats ladies.
1: on your new book, Thank In you. the Flow. Thank you so much. It's Wonderful. So we like to start out our podcast by bringing it back to the why. We started Sakara on a mission to help people change their lives and their bodies through the power of food as medicine. And we'd love to know, what's your
2: mission? I am on a mission to end unnecessary hormonal suffering for women by um, providing the education, the products, and the tools that help them achieve that naturally and effectively. Amen, sister.
0: That's a big mission. And we were just talking about how few women even know what any of that means, what you just said. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, I know I get, quote, the curse once a month. And um, I think we're taught to not really take the initiative to get to know our bodies, whether it's physically or even just the cycles of our bodies, much less celebrate them.
2: Well, you know, we come by that honestly. Because you have to keep in mind that we have inherited some pretty toxic mythology and conditioning around what to believe about our bodies that is completely based on false information, inaccurate science. And, and it does put us in this mode of just expecting it to be bad. So then when we, when we do have symptoms, because we've been told that it's going to be painful and your period is going to be a source of suffering, when you then experience that suffering, you do nothing and you say to yourself with acceptance and resignation, this is how it's supposed to be, so therefore I won't seek out any support. And it's the most perfect trap for women, right? Like you've heard yeah. of the, the, the analogy of the cricket in the glass jar. Mm-mm. Tell us about it. So, you know, there's this like parable of, you know, a little boy catches a cricket and he wants to keep it as a pet. But what do crickets like to do? Jump really high and go all over the place. So he puts it in a glass jar with a lid. And the cricket is like, what is happening? And he doesn't see that there's glass around him. It's clear, but he keeps bumping into something over and over again. And he says, gee, well, just a moment ago, I could bounce all over the place and it everything looked the same. Again, mm. the glass jar was clear, is clear, and the air is cl- invisible to the cricket, right? So his world has gotten smaller And he doesn't know why. And the boy then starts to feel bad. He takes the glass lid off the glass jar. But the cricket has learned not to jump as high and does not ever jump out of that jar. And very similarly for women, we have been put in this really perfect trap, Of, uh, you know, your bodies are a problem that you have to constantly work on. Your period is going to be, you know, the source of suffering. Your hormones are mysterious, complex, unknowable, unpredictable, endlessly problematic and mysterious. So just hold on for the ride and suffer (laughs) through it, right? And so all of this mythology, this conditioning, this programming, you stay in the jar, Mm. And I am here to tell you there's no reason to stay in that jar. The lid is off. But let's break the glass. Like, mm. let's, just, let's just bounce right out of there because it is unnecessary, all this suffering that you have been going through, whether you have any condition from PCOS to fibroids to endometriosis to heavy bleeding, missing periods, difficulty with fertility, difficulty with perimenopause, all of that, you have so much agency over if you just learn how your operating system works, it's not complicated because, oh, by the way, the truth of the science is your hormones are so logical, organized, predictable, knowable, and just learn how to take care of them. And then your body will do all the hard work of balancing all your hormones Mm -hmm. and all of that and resolving symptoms. But if you nourish your body the way it needs to be nourished, you will unlock the keys to your Mm well-being.
1: I think that's both really empowering, knowing that we can have an impact on how we feel and how we live and our overall health, and also can be really overwhelming for a lot of people when we're so used to just sitting in front of a doctor and saying, what's wrong with me? Okay, can you just write me a prescription for that and fix it? And instead, it's we have to look into ourselves. We have to become experts of our own bodies, which we know you teach a lot about and and start to be able to take some of our health into our own hands.
0: I'd also say we have to know what normal looks like. So can you tell us what normal looks like? Because I don't know if that's in the
1: textbooks or it's only in your book. Right. Aren't, <laughs> aren't cramps and pain and yeah. headache, isn't that all
2: normal? No. I mean, any any symptom that you have, you know, If you have cramps, if you have headaches, if you have bloating, if you have acne, if you have mood swings, if you have breast tenderness, if you have constipation leading up to your period, whatever you've got, I don't think you could bring me a symptom that I could say, oh yeah, that's expected, right? You should feel fantastic every day. That is how nature designed you to be. In fact, I go into great painstaking detail in this new book to lay out for you the biological and biochemical reasons why you've been gifted a superior physical body, right? Meaning you have an extremely efficient metabolism. You have an extraordinarily sophisticated brain. And, you know, I'm, I'm not here to say anything negative about the male cohort, but in comparison, the female brain is superior to that of the male brain. The female metabolism is more efficient to the male metabolism. Our immune system is more responsive and powerful, comparatively speaking. There's so much that you don't know about how powerful your body is. And so when I say you're designed to feel good, I really deeply mean that. Do you think nature would have imbued your body physically with the task of 3D printing new people (laughs) if it wasn't the superior model. Like you wouldn't want to like bake that in the Suzy Q like easy bake oven. No, you'd want to like put that in a, you know, I don't know all the names of the right fancy ones, (laughs) like a fancy oven, right? (laughs) So one of those German ovens, (laughs) the fancy ones. So, you know, you've got this like Porsche that you're driving around with, but you're you've got like the safety brake on and it's just making your you do not realize how good you can feel. So any of those symptoms are an indication that your hormones are not um, performing optimally. And typically where we see that first is in the luteal phase. Well, this is referred to as a luteal phase defect where you'll have insufficient levels of progesterone to counteract the estrogen that is surging at this time. And wait, it, can we stop for one yeah, second? Yeah, what's that phase? Yeah, yeah. Let's, well, let's talk about the phases. Let's do
0: like, yeah, phases <laughs> well, 101. Let's go Because I think okay. a lot of women, like we met, what, eight years ago probably? I guess. And so I it remember- It feels like a long time. I think we were on a panel together maybe, and mm. you were talking about the phases and- I think it was the first time I really understood what all my phases were, and well, everyone
1: in the audience was. I think it's when you came and you spoke in our office to a big group. We did V-Day for Valentine's Day, but it was Vagina Day. But that's not when we first met. No. 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 But that's when I really learned about all the different phases because you pulled out, like, like whiteboard style on the wall showing We graphing, were charting, charting the hormones, hormones. yeah.
2: But Do I, you know when I teach, I often have um, – like randomly a medical professional in the audience and so I always ask a question of can anyone come up here and draw for me the chart of hormones for the 28-day cycle and I'm like expecting especially the medical professionals to come up and be able to do it and I often and none of them do and I ask at usually I always check in with them after like well why is that and they said you know it was something that we covered so quickly like and it was it was it wasn't a specialty yeah. and so you know of course if there was a gynecologist in the in the audience she'd be able to do it but you know most of your physicians do not even ha- they ha- d- what i'm trying to say is don't feel badly that you don't know what these are most people even in the medical profession don't know yeah. what your hormonal patterns are yeah. and this is again something we come by honestly so I want to just – I'll answer your question about the phases, but I want to sort of give a little context as to why I wrote another book because, you know, Woman Code has been a book that women have really referred to over and over again over the years and has become a main staple of the women's health literature. And I, in the past five years, started asking a question of myself, which is it is logical, right, that if we have more content – in women's health than ever before. I mean, this is like historical what's happening right now from a women's health point of view. More content about women's health, less taboo. You know, thanks and other companies have really broken down that taboo. And we have more access because of the internet and social media and all this connectivity and women around the world in places even where they're still actively being oppressed have access to this content. So it's a simple equation in my mind. More content, more information plus more access should equal more healthy women. But when I dug into the research, not only was I seeing just more customers coming to our hormone center, right, more women coming to get help, but when I dug into the research, it's 50% of women Are struggling with hormone and autoimmune issues. And I said, okay, okay, well, you know, it's a it's a more polluted environment, yada yada, I started trying to explain that. And then I just, for fun, looked at the male cohort counterpart to that set of data. And it's something like under 10% of men struggle. And I said, What is going on? I need to know why. Why are we not getting better? Why are we getting worse? This is not making any sense. So when I dug into that research, I came up with two things, and this will Get us back to your four phases, I promise. Mm-hmm. The first thing is that women are being left out of medical, fitness, and nutrition research. Yeah. Like, all So, you know, this idea that we don't know what, how our bodies function and medical professionals don't know how our bodies function, there's a reason for that. It's that trickle-down effect. They're not doing research on us, right? So, therefore, we're not getting studies that are being reported about in the media And we all have this huge blind spot. But then it also goes a step further. You're then being told that trendy diets, let's say like intermittent fasting or high intensity interval training, are universally good for you. But I'm here to tell you that the research has only been done on men and postmenopausal women. And when I dug into the, you know, like, for example, let's just zoom in on intermittent fasting for a second. It's supposed to improve insulin sensitivity. improve cognitive function, decrease cellular aging, right, help you with weight. For women in their reproductive years, the little bit of research that has been done shows that it actually creates the extreme opposite result. It worsens insulin sensitivity. It increases brain fog. It causes you to gain weight. It destabilizes your mood. And oh, by the way, it shrinks your ovaries, So if you're in your reproductive years and you think someday you're going to have a baby and you're doing all this dieting that is not actually supporting your biology, you're hurting yourself. So it started really making sense, oh – that's why comparatively if studies are being done on men and then that, that information is being reported in the media and then men have greater awareness of what their bodies need and they're doing the diets and the fitness programs that support their biology, no wonder so few of them are suffering with these issues compared to women who are just taking the crumbs of that research, hoping it will be applied to them, putting it into their bodies and in their lives and feeling worse. Mm. So that was part one of the.
0: It's so important and the, so
2: powerful. It, it's it's unacceptable. Just like it was unacceptable to me twenty years ago when I started this journey, you know, I'm someone who had my own hormonal breakdown, as you ladies know. You know, mm-hmm. I used to be over two hundred pounds and covered in cystic acne, and I yes. menstruated maybe six times in that first decade from twelve to twenty-two, and it just it was a hot mess. And I was I I really got totally uh, – I got so much visibility into what was not being done around women's health issues that I became not only passionate for myself, but I decided that I would help other women, which is why I built Flow Living in the first place, because we needed another support tool in our arsenal of healthcare for our hormones. But similarly, um, it's un- it was unacceptable to me then that, like, they had nothing for me. They're like, oh, yeah, you have this disorder totally, and we don't have anything for you. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you can do like the most precise laparoscopic surgery and, and you can even treat diseases that are not life-threatening like erectile dysfunction. We can put a man on the moon. I mean, let's just keep it to medicine. <laughs> but you know, I hear you, sister. <laughs> and so – but we are putting women on the moon, so that's good too. Um, but – what what is missing? It's the 21st century. It's unacceptable that we don't get the kind of health care that we need. And then similarly now looking at this, it's just unacceptable for women to be following diet and fitness, um, you know, suggestions that are completely ignoring their biology. So I asked myself one other question, which was, well, what is really the big difference between men and women? I mean, we all have, we're all hormonal, yeah. you know, children, old people, dogs, cats, like we all hormones. So, you know, men have higher concentrations of some. We have different concentrations of others. I mean, we all have hormones. So what is really the salient difference? Um, you know, we're all amazing and it's wonderful. And there are lots of differences. But for me, the big aha moment was recognizing that we have these two distinct biological rhythms. So we all have a circadian rhythm. We all know about the circadian rhythm. There's, there are two guys who won the Nobel Prize on understanding the genetic levers behind the, the uh, governance of the circadian rhythm. A couple of years ago, so we know that you know, and they were the, the famous nurses study was done in the ni- 80s and 90s. You should not do things like stay up all night and then sleep all day. We know that's going to disrupt your many systems of your body. We know that you shouldn't sleep for five minutes and be up for three days. That's, you're not designed to function optimally that way. It's going to impact your health short-term and significantly long-term. So in increasing your risk for disease of inflammation. So male hormonal patterns follow the circadian rhythm, so a 24-hour cycle. They make all their testosterone while they're sleeping. They wake up with a big surge of it. You know, you're if you're with a guy or you are a guy listening. You know, you wake up with your testosterone. It's waving at you. It's pointing at you. <laughs> it's like, hello, morning, right? Yeah. But you, whether or not you do anything about that, is irrelevant. It's more you just intuitively, and because research is supporting it, media has helped you understand, and because of the cultural conditioning that you should use your body as a tool. To master your environment, you know subconsciously that you should organize everything that you do around this hormonal pattern. You should do your intense workout in the morning if you can. You should front load all your deep work in the morning if you can. As testosterone begins to wane in the afternoon, you should start doing more social facing things. And then you should crawl into your man cave and go to sleep so you can reset and make all that testosterone for the next day. This is why biohacking is so exciting for men because it gives them an opportunity to extend their energy and cognitive performance after their testosterone and cortisol drop. I digress.
1: No, but that, what you're talking about with the biohacking, mm, you're yeah. meaning things like the bulletproof coffee. And, Upgraded
2: and, coffee or nootropics or, or, or the intermittent mm-hmm. fasting. Or intermittent, intermittent fasting. fasting. Anything that you're doing to manipulate your system to create a different outcome, that's a form of biohacking. And to extend that morning energy boost. Right. So to, to somehow compensate or shift the natural energy dip that men experience in the afternoon because testosterone and cortisol concentrations are beginning to decrease. Now, women have a circadian pattern, of course, like every human. But in your reproductive years, you have this second biological rhythm that no one has ever heard about before. And I literally can't believe that I am the first person to write about this in a book. But I'm so happy to give you the name of your operating system because Without a name, we cannot assign value, and we already don't value how our bodies function. In fact, we dislike, we we sort of revile, recoil from our functions. You know, we're squeamish about our bodies. We criticize our bodies. We believe the conditioning from a young age that our bodies are these unending projects that we have to work on in comparison to males who grew up really understanding that their body is their power source, right? Your body is your power source too. And here's the name of your biological rhythm. It's called the infradian rhythm. I-N-F-R-A-D-I-A-N. Infradian rhythm. And ladies, the way out of all this problem health stuff is in and i mean infradian <laughs> so you know it's the truth so this you experience the infradian rhythm over the course of the month but it goes way beyond your period it affects six key systems of your body and this was this was the ultimate answer to the question so it's bad enough that we're being given incorrect information to just hope that it works in our system when we know that it can't but, you know, all of the women, all the research is showing that we're, we're really not thriving. We're sick. We're suffering from all these issues. Autoimmune issues are on the rise. Infertility is on the rise. Depression anxiety is on the rise for women. Weight issues are on the rise. Like everything is going off the rails in any direction you look from a female health point of view. Well, it makes sense when you look at it through the lens of the infradian rhythm. Because it governs six key systems of the body, your brain – your metabolism, your immune system, your microbiome, your stress response system, and your reproductive system. So since you are just by default, and again, you come by this honestly, you are eating, exercising, and living in a way that is actively disrupting this infradian rhythm, you could develop symptoms across any one of those six systems of the body and multiple Right. Mm-hmm. It, often they come in groups. One. Yeah. You know, it can start with one area, and then it quickly snowballs into others. So it was really extraordinary to come across this, and to be able to unearth all this research, and to just be able to share not only the problem and give a new name for us to have agency over how we are our operating system is is equally powerful and different, but also to provide a radical new solution for women to be taking care of this infradian rhythm, truly for the first time, really letting go of all things that are just not helping us really thrive in our female ecosystem.
0: And can you compare circadian and infradian rhythms like just so we understand the
2: difference? So the circadian rhythm, like I said, is you experience it over the 24-hour period, and it will control things like bowel movements and Mm -hmm. blood pressure and Um, And what
0: is it controlled? What are each controlled by?
2: A set of genes that sort of govern these biological rhythms in the body. So this is a field of biology called chronobiology, and it's relatively young. So something that sort of arose in the 70s and 80s and and more and more recent. So the first bit of research that's been really fleshed out is all the research on the circadian rhythm. There's a ton of it. The famous study, as I mentioned before, was that nurses' study up in Boston that they did on nurses who worked the night shift. They wanted to see what happens if you live a many decades disrupting your circadian rhythm, and they found out these women were sick like throughout their lives. But then they, you know, after retirement and postmenopausally, they were, you know, all having diabetes, heart disease, cancer, dementia at increased rates compared to people who were living more in support of their circadian rhythm. Mm. And so not enough research has been done on the infradian rhythm. I put a whole list in the book of research I'd like to see done Mm -hmm. for anybody who's a researcher, (laughs) have at it. But the little bits that we do have do show us that if we disrupt this rhythm in our reproductive years, that we not only suffer from all of these different symptoms and these different s- systems of the body, but then also postmenopausally, we do increase our risk for these four big diseases of inflammation. And it makes sense. Yeah. It just makes sense. Why would you if – if your biology is doing X – why not support X? Right. right. And so
0: you're saying that all this kind of biohacking that is typically led by men, that's what kind of intercepts our rhythm. And it it can cause our rhythm to oh, go I'm not, out of balance.
2: I'm not singling out the biohacking community at all. I'm simply saying that the entirety of, you know, like we've just been left out of medical yeah. fitness and nutrition research. And so anything that you've heard, like, for example, high-intensity interval training. Yeah. You know, that's like the gold standard of, of workouts now, right? Because it's supposed to build lean muscle and help you utilize fat stores efficiently and you do less so you get more effect with less impact on the body. This idea for sameness, right? Do the same thing at the same time every day. Now that we understand that the circadian rhythm has a 24-hour cadence, you can understand where that comes from, right? And the research mm-hmm. was done on men. So we know that for them – doing the same workout at the same time every day does actually give them those gains that it promises. But did you know across your infradian rhythm, you have significant metabolic and cortisol pattern changes? And the research shows that if you do high-intensity interval training at the wrong time of your cycle, which I will gladly share what that wrong time is, you will turn on fat storage and turn on muscle wasting Because it's seen as like a major stress instead of therapeutic. Because you are worsening your insulin response and you're stressing your cortisol. So the, the combination of that will cause you to retain fat okay, what during the certain do? time of the month. It's cl- and not by the way, it? this is not like a, a nice-to-have idea. This is a need-to-do like sh- change. You have to, if you take away one thing from our conversation today, it's no longer enough for you as a female in your reproductive years to ask the question, what should I eat? What should I do for a workout? What's the best morning routine? What's your perfect day? <clears throat> no. you got to drop that. It's now When when should you do what? Mm-hmm. Because now you have to map this out over these four pattern changes, which goes back to these four phases of the cycle. Because we experience the infradian rhythm across the cycle, the hormonal shifts really are our anchor to when we should do what. So for high-intensity interval training, the and the U.S. women's soccer team is training their female athletes based on their infradian rhythm with great success. So this wow. is this is... The future of women's health care. Are they all
1: on the same cycle? You don't don't need to be
2: on the same cycle (laughs) at all. You just need to train yourself where you are, right? And everybody Mm -hmm. can do that. Just like men, they don't walk around saying, my testosterone is surging, so therefore let's everybody do X, Y, Z, right? They just manage their process. So you just need to manage your own biological reality and Mm -hmm. everything else will sort of organize itself as it does, at least in our observation of men, right? So in the luteal phase... After ovulation, you must not do high-intensity interval training. If you do it after ovulation— So
1: this is the phase between ovulation and right before your period. The
2: whole phase. So basically after ovulation, until your bleed is over, you should not do high-intensity interval training because it will turn on fat storage and turn on muscle wasting. And this explains that, like, it's almost like this cultural joke, like— Joe and Sue start a workout plan and a diet together <laughs> yeah. and Joe does what you're, every and Sue and Joe eat the same thing and do the same workouts and after a month Joe has shrunk you know like these little cartoon Lost it, 10 p- pounds. Yeah, and Sue is like f- frustrated and frumpy. Yeah. yeah. Right? Oh, Sue. Well, <laughs> I mean, And I- Sue's infradian rhythm was not being factored into that diet or fitness plan and that's why now that we know That if she was doing that same high-intensity interval training for the full four weeks of her month, that at best she'll have no change in her lean muscle gain or her fat stores. But at worst, she will have gained weight Mm -hmm. and lost lean muscle, which is often what happens to women. And it's why at the end of every month you're like, gee, how is – I've like – I've gone to the gym, I've put my time in, I've com- been you know disciplined, I've committed, you know pick a slogan, just do it, yeah. stay committed, whatever. <laughs> like their slogans are everywhere, yeah. right? But for like just do it for who? Right. This also makes
0: me feel like we really really especially as women have to take the time to listen because I think that we are naturally great copers like we can we have a higher
2: pain threshold yes. yes and we have regions of the brain that help us navigate stress more yeah so and we tolerate and, to- we to- and we're conditioned we tolerate. to yeah, tolerate exactly. suffering yeah so it's a perfect storm of being in that glass jar exactly mm-hmm. where
0: you know if you don't wake up and do that workout You feel like you should. So if you don't do that high intensity workout on that day, even though you really feel like you should just sleep 30 more minutes, like you're conditioned to think that, you know, you're falling off the wagon or whatever. But, you know, we talk a lot about at Saqqara, like the point is not to push always, well, to always rely on Saqqara to tell you what to eat. We're trying to help you build the tools and build the body that you get to listen to. And that that is the ultimate gift is being able to listen and not let kind of the guilt
1: follow. Right. Tap into that body intelligence because if your hormones are different at different times of the month, then you inherently feel different and maybe think differently.
2: Want to do different things. Yeah. And yeah. so it's
1: tuning into that.
2: It's true what you're saying. In fact, most of the time when I teach this to women, they're, they feel very validated because, again, You have been conditioned to ignore your body's talking to you. Right. You have been conditioned to ignore it from a young age. And then especially at puberty, girls get sort of like this double down effect of like if you're going to survive in the patriarchy, you've got to like ignore everything that is coming up from you. You have to somehow show up in the world in spite of your hormonal reality and don't complain about it. and don't complain about it and you know, make it nice for everybody else. and it's you know, I mean i'm'm I'm, I'm paraphrasing and making this sort of like broad swath kind of comments here, but you know you know what I'm trying to get at. Yes. And when I say you, I mean you here who listening because you know, as women, we all have this programming and it's just something that you have to identify that that thought in your mind, when you want to wake up in the morning, and do a, an, a workout and you feel instead that you need to sleep, first and foremost, just FYI, again, I'm, I'm somebody who, as you know, you guys have known me for a long time. I'm like not very woo-woo person. Yeah. And in order to, and I think a lot of women, because of all the messaging, we've, negative messaging we've received about our bodies, we're afraid to come home to them and I know I felt really disconnected from my female body, so much so that my whole brain and ovaries were not even talking to each other. You know, then there's a whole other science around how thoughts turn into peptides that then program cells. And we know, I know we know mm-hmm. all about that. So to be that divorced from my feminine energy, to have somehow stifled my own ovulation is pretty intense reaction to waking up into an environment that unconsciously i felt you know somehow wasn't supporting of my gender right which we all encounter that at puberty at some level whether we're conscious of it or not so anyway to think about how how can we use science as a bridge a safe bridge to walk over to come home to our bodies for me that has been the journey Yeah, and it's
0: like validation, like what you said. Like, it's okay to feel X, Y, Z. Well, and and and
2: here's the facts. Like, for example, if you want to be sleeping more, fact, your brain, because it is more complex compared to men, you need 30 minutes more sleep every day. That's actually exactly what I always feel. I'm sending this to my husband after this, (laughs) right after we're done. Right. (laughs) I keep telling him that. And, And in the second half of your cycle after ovulation, your resting cortisol levels are higher, which means that your response to things is heightened. That doesn't mean you're emotional or moody or stressed out. It just means that you have to do things to help your body not overutilize your cortisol stores, right? So you don't – that's another reason why you don't do high-intensity interval training at that time. You need 237 more calories in the second half of your cycle. This is measured fact, right? So you may think you just want to eat a salad because you want to be good, whatever good means to you. But fact, you need 237 more calories. You're not nourishing your body. You need slow-burning carbohydrates in the luteal phase to help you uh, accomplish the immense task of what is going on intrauterinely, right? Think about what happens. From a space of nothingness, emptiness, your body takes micronutrients and hormones and manufactures tissue. Endometrial tissue every month from nothing. Yeah, builds a th- whole organ. Builds <laughs> builds this whole situation from from your energy stores. So of course that's a calor that has some calorie requirements to be right. able to do that. Yeah, and depriving yourself of that is only going to add layers of complexity that you just don't need and frustration and what I and fatigue I, and moodiness and PMS and all the things you can well, avoid.
0: And I feel like what I hear you saying, which is really refreshing, is take what we think we know, which is that we get PMS and we're supposed to be moody and we have cravings we shouldn't listen to, and instead shift the perspective, get to know your biology, and actually they can be superpowers. You know, you were talking about how you were more creative in one phase, and that might be the phase where you're a little more, you said you have like heightened reactions or emotions. Like that could be one of two ways. That could be like, I'm emotional and PMSy, or that could be like, I'm creative and connected to the source. And
2: Well, the luteal phase is actually, you know, so let's go through these four phases okay, and, okay. and talk through. So you have four phases. You have the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, the luteal phase, and the bleeding phase. So each of these phases has different metabolic signatures, different cortisol patterns, You have a slower metabolism in the follicular and ovulatory phases, so you can eat lighter, eat less calories, and you will feel good. Your insulin will be stable. In the luteal and the menstrual phases, you need more calories, more slow-burning energy sources cortisol is at rest is lower in the first half is higher in the second half so stress management techniques need to be adjusted and workouts need to be adjusted to compensate for the biological reality right just like a man would ideally do all his strength training in the morning when he had all that testosterone to build lean muscle if he can right versus doing it later in the afternoon when he's not going to make as efficient gains you too would want to do things that are efficient right instead of working harder work smarter yep from a brain point of view the, you in 1996, Dr. Catherine Woolley at Northwestern University documented that the female brain changes up to 25% over the course of the month. Whoa. So that you, resonates. <laughs> right? And so you are creatively approaching things in a diff, from a different point of view with different regions of your brain being stimulated by different hormones at different times. So for example, during ovulation... The verbal and social centers of your brain are hyper-stimulated by that surge of estrogen. So this happens every month. So what I say is plan for that, right? Front load your calendar with networking events or lunch meetings or presenting something at work to your team or I don't know – Doing something that feels social, that utilizes your social and verbal skills. If you're a mom, plan a play date with your kids' friends or plan a family gathering. This is when it's going to feel as positive for you as it's going to feel and where it's going to have the least amount of stress on your system because you're being given that hormonal boost to enjoy that more and you have the energy from that phase as well, like do it then. Mm -hmm. Of course you can do anything you want at any time just like guys can at any time of the day. But guys know for sure that they'd rather have sex in the morning versus late at night because they have more testosterone in the morning versus nighttime.
0: It's so frustrating, though, because d- aren't most women the opposite? Don't most women oh, want to have sex at night when we're it Depends on when and... you,
2: where you are in your cycle and what is going on for you emotionally and in your life. Yeah, it's a whole different. Female sexual desire is a much more multifaceted rose petal Combination of things, <laughs> yeah. then you know, not yeah. surprising. It's a little different, um, <clears throat> but during your ovulation phase, for example, when you do have testosterone surging, you are more um, receptive to, let's say, having sex in a, in times of the day that you might not normally. But yeah, it is a fr- it is an interesting it's an interesting, Conundrum. like, not exactly a match, yeah. right? Uh, and and that only gets... We both got
0: to meet in the middle. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the, I mean, the ideal time, I think, for both AM. genders would be somewhere between noon and three, um, you know. So, so we take have a to lunch change, break.
0: yeah, we have to change, like, the entire business model of how...
2: Well, that's... Oh, just go, like, Spanish style, the siesta. Ah,
0: mm-hmm. oh, that's what siestas are. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's interesting you bring up corporate style. I do think that It's important that we start having – you know, I was writing this book for the past two years while the Me Too and the Time's Up movement were making the the headlines. And I really think that the next frontier for us to move the needle forward significantly is for us to have a conversation about inclusivity, biological rhythm, inclusivity in the corporate environment because, you know, everybody's talking about the patriarchy and I look at everything through the biological lens, right? Right what is the patriarchy really? It is a society that has sort of constructed everything to support male biology and biological rhythms. And that includes the workplace, which is why a lot of women feel so much friction in a work environment because they have to force themselves into this circadian pattern that doesn't include their infradian pattern. And it's draining on the system. Harvard Business School researches left and right, you know, productivity in the workplace, and I wrote a lot about this in the book about, you know, we we know we can't make more time in a day, right? We can only manage our energy. This is another one of your superpowers. Having this infradian rhythm gives you a huge advantage. Not only is your brain as a female wired for leadership, but your body is designed to preserve energy for longer. You don't fall off the cliff in the afternoon the same day to the same extent that men do, right? So, But that you only get access to that energy if you support your infradian rhythm with right diet, with right exercise, with right project planning based on what is happening, you know, what's being stimulated cognitively for you with different brain regions. So... It's a fun new way to play with time management. And I i don't know about you. I know we're all entrepreneurs here and we run mm-hmm. companies. And um, I struggled a lot with time management when I was younger. And I found it really frustrating. I tried every system. I tried every teacher and method. And I would always bump into the same issue like after about two weeks I just couldn't do it anymore. Whatever I had outlined that I was supposed to do that following week, I just, like, looked at it, like, and got very overwhelmed and disheartened and felt like I was just a failure before I even got started. And now I know why, right? Because that wasn't factoring in my infradian rhythm. I was – that was predicated on the idea of striving for sameness every that day. 24-hour cycle. Yeah. And so, like, you know, when you hear about those power morning routines equal success mm. – That is toxic rhetoric because it means that you have to have only a circadian rhythm to contend with, right? So we have to be having a much more transparent conversation about which cohort, which biological rhythm are we speaking about? Maybe our morning rituals need to change throughout the month. I have four. And you can get a download of the morning rituals in the book because I really would love to end this – like anywhere I can end toxic mythology about your body is like just my privilege to do it. You can't force yourself to do the same thing each and every day. Stop striving for sameness and embrace your dynamic nature.
0: It's crazy how steeped it is in everything. Thing. Every so, pick it's a in our vernacular. Yeah. It's in our corporate structure. It's in, you know, fitness, e- and fitness and wellness and wellness and sexuality. It's it's in everything. Oh, let's talk about sex. So, where do we? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Did you know? Let's do
2: it. Sixty percent of women are sexually unsatisfied.
0: Sixty. Sixty. I would have guessed more. <laughs> Because I and I say that because I think that we're not taught to even know what true pleasure really is. Well, that's like for we're sure. taught to think that you know you're lucky if you orgasm
1: and a clitoral and that it's not for every woman. Yeah, <laughs> and that <laughs> a lot of women
0: can't even orgasm, and oh, you're lucky God, if you do,
2: t- it's not for every woman, and, and yeah, if, but some know, can't. that's, that that's some worse. Can't.
0: <laughs> and if you do orgasm, having a clitoral orgasm is like the holy grail like we're it's it's like what you said we're dealing with like the tip of the glacier of information and pretending like we're victorious it's
2: it's you know as I, I i as when i teach this we we all go through these various emotional stages of like recognizing this there's like sadness and frustration and anger of like how is it that we've been put in these glass jars you know was it done on purpose i don't even know at this point it doesn't matter the good news is now the in- we have now the correct information, period. And so you you can end this for yourself. And the world will change because we'll all change yeah. individually, right? We don't have to have this be a top down.
0: That would be it nice. It starts
2: with the individual, really it starts with correct information. Yeah. You couldn't have had a healthy period if you had tried without correct information, right? You couldn't have a healthy sex life without the right information. Here's some here's some right information about your sexual desire and sexual response. So, so many women come to me complaining that or worried that they have a low libido. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Oh, I'm, I'm dry and I it takes me forever to achieve climax and I don't know." And and I have to explain to them two things. One, your Default expectations around your sexual desire and response are predicated on pornography. Whether or not you watch it personally, it is being transmuted to you via societal, cultural norms. Second, you don't know how your sexual desire and response fluctuates across the infradian cycle. And so therefore, you don't know that you are supposed to have normal, every woman has this, two weeks of a dry period your menstrual, your bleeding week, and your follicular week, you are dry. You do not produce lubricant on your own without a lot of lead up, a lot. So – don't start any parties during the menstrual or the follicular phase. Don't even take off your lingerie until the lubricant has been located mm-hmm. and brought to the area that it needs so to – right? Menstrual – so while you're bleeding while you're and bleeding, the follicular is – The week right later. after. Okay. Right? Don't even have – don't start – do not approach the clitoris without lubricant don't go there mm-hmm. during those weeks. No, touch it. Do everything you want to do to it. But use lube. Don't yeah. wait for yourself to become lubricated. Because don't
0: just expect you'll be at peak. Don't expect
2: yeah. that to happen. It will take a long time. And because it will take so long, you will likely short circuit those nerve endings and create pain instead of pleasure, Right, trying to create a response. Mm-hmm. The, the ovulatory And the luteal phases are wet phases. So you are naturally self-lubricated at this time. You don't need as much assist. Again, in your reproductive years, as you approach menopause, it's a different conversation. But in your reproductive years, you're self-lubricated at this time. Your arousal process is faster. Why? Because, you know, nature wants to procreate the species, right? So your arousal time is faster and your ability to achieve a climactic response is heightened. Right. Because of testosterone, surges of testosterone in both the ovulatory and the first half. This is not like so basically the long and short of it is if you have ever thought to yourself, gee, last week it was fireworks and this week it's flat. I wonder what it is. It's something's wrong with me. I know I just ran through that whole thing really quickly, but I hope that you take away from it. Nothing's wrong with you. You have just been expecting or living under this oppressive expectation that you should be same, the Mm. same every time, every day. And you are not. You are a dynamic force of nature. And you just have to Mm -hmm. understand what your patterns are. They're only four. And and just work with them.
1: And While we're on this topic of sex, I know when you've come and spoken at some of our events, a hot topic is birth control. Mm-hmm. So Let's if you're in. on birth control, do all of these same principles work the
2: same? No. 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 Unfortunately, the the synthetic birth control um, interrupts the infradian cycle altogether. So you, you keep yourself in this phaseless zone. You don't have any of the stimulation of these brain regions. Dr. Sarah Hill just wrote an important book on birth control. I quoted her in one of the chapters on birth control. She really talks about how it fundamentally changes your personality being on this medication. You are not the same you. And when we look at the stimulation, the brain regions that are being stimulated across the cycle, that really starts to add up because my experience of working with women, having them transition off that medication is they have a Uh, fresh access to a creative fire that they had long forgotten about and they completely um, start doing things that they've never done before. I mean, I've worked with women who were literally working in like some sort of random corporate job that then got off this medication, broke up with the boyfriend that they were with and moved across the country and dug up an old screenplay that they had written and like got a career going in Hollywood writing television shows I mean, a wellspring of creativity is is your birthright you know you just like the uterus creates something every month from nothing you are imbued with that ultimate creative nature and so you can just pick anything that you happen to feel passionate about and you could make anything you want happen just by virtue of this infradian cycle so why seek to suppress it especially when you only have access to this infradian cycle for a maximum of four decades. It stops at menopause. You go back to a single circadian clock life. And because the opportunity cost is pretty great, secondly. And thirdly, because the, that medication doesn't fix whatever is wrong with your hormones at all and can make it worse.
0: Right. Like if you're taking birth control for endometriosis or something like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Irregular periods. PCOS. It's not not a cure. And your doctor will tell you that. And they'll just say, but this is all we have. And I will say, that's not good enough. And Mm -hmm. that the functional medicine research that we have shows that, again, you can manipulate your hormones very safely and effectively by changing your dietary inputs.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm always surprised, you know, I didn't really get to understand my cycle until my mid 20s you know i was on birth control they put me on birth control when i was like 15 cuz i said i had cramps but they weren't even bad cramps but they're like here you go it's like candy And then that's
2: the largest unstudied experiment that we're doing, uncontrolled, unregulated experiment, putting pubescent girls with an emergent infradian cycle that's not yet fully established, without a fully established pituitary hypothalamic, pituitary ovarian access not yet established. It takes up until the age of twenty two for that to take place in the body and to put them on medication that suppresses that without having researched what the long term implications are on their health, on their sex drive on their moods, we do know it increases rates of depression, and on their fertility. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's scary. And, you know, but I kind of thought it came from my doctor. And then later when I was sexually active, it felt like being on that form of birth control was a good option. And then as I learned more and more and more, I stopped in my young 20s, thank goodness. And then I did the IUD. And then and then as I... Like, started and none of it felt right, and I just couldn't like pinpoint what it was. And life happens, and I'm so busy. And but then I decided to take my IUD out, and I was still sexually active, obviously. And I decided that it was time to like get to know my body, and I'm and you know, you can you can control so much if you know like you said this earlier, like information is so key. And so if you can start to understand when you do ovulate, if you can start to understand, you know, when you are extra fertile or when you're not, you know, you can't, it's obviously probably that 99.9% like birth control or a condom, but just having that as one of your tools was so powerful to me. And I couldn't believe that I wasn't taught that at 10 like, I, I couldn't so believe, like, I was, <laughs> I, in fact, felt the opposite. Like, yeah. it was scary, and I, you know, knowing my own body doesn't really mean anything. There's not much to know. There's not even a clitoris in the textbooks. Like, you know, it, like, I didn't feel empowered to get to know my own body. And I really hope, you know, now I have a daughter, and I really hope that changes. I actually think her first word might be vulva. it's <laughs> been <Seriously. laughs> watching a lot of goop <laughs> yeah. Actually, I was
2: just going to bring that up. I, I watched the, the goop series The first one that I watched was the Betty Dotson When I've had Mm -hmm. the pleasure of meeting Betty Dotson. And I just want to point out that that particular episode is historical in nature to have shown not only just renderings of the vulva, but then actually showing a woman in orgasmic process is historical in nature. So if you haven't watched Mm it, you should just watch it so that you can uh, confront the conditioning that you've received about this for yourself it's it's Absolutely. profound but yes you're right we don't get a proper education and again again whether it's by design or not you know what's a good way to keep a cricket in a jar right make sure that they can't see the jar right mm-hmm. so if you don't know what the information is that you're missing you're much more readily going to accept things that are not true, like you could get pregnant at any time. Any woman who's listening who's struggling with fertility will know that's really hard to get pregnant. Your egg is only viable for 24 to 48 hours out of the month. And sperm can only last in a really healthy young individual for a maximum of five days, which means you have a seven-day window where you could be fertile. And You know, you were brave at 25 to take that on yourself because a lot of women, again, we need the data, we need the information. And now with the rise of femtech, you could buy a device and wear it like a watch and it will tell you exactly when you're ovulating. So you can know if you're trying to get pregnant to get to business or if you're trying to not get pregnant to double up on your barrier methods. And you had made a comment, a lighthearted comment about statistics like nothing is 100% hundred percent like birth control but birth control is not even a hundred percent nothing is a hundred percent you know abstinence you know I don't know I've actually <laughs> I've actually heard stories of women and who were abs- who were abstaining but that meant that their boyfriend got to um, ejaculate on their upper thigh and that somehow resulted in a pregnancy oh my gosh. right so you know, it depends on what we're talking about with the abstinence, right. <laughs> okay? So, but double barrier methods are really effective. The copper and this IUD... And your
1: favorite form of birth control? What is your favorite form of birth control?
2: I'm a big fan of uh, condoms and sponges. I think those are really great. I think if you want something that you don't have to fiddle with, the copper IUD is great as long as you know that that might increase cramping and you can take certain supplements to offset the copper factor in
1: the body. Is there a modern sponge? Or like uh, the sponge it it feels like it, it. It sounds outdated, or I don't know. I never tried it before. It sounds a little weird.
2: Um, it's pretty easy to use, and it's disposable. So from a from it's better a, than in, a diaphragm,
0: uh, people more comfortable. A diaphragm. people don't
2: love the diaphragm. Yeah, it's more comfortable um, than a diaphragm. Yeah, I, I think you know. I think. Condoms with spermicide. If you're gonna, if you really didn't want to use a double method, um, a double barrier method, that's a pretty effective.
0: And by double
1: barrier, you mean a condom condom plus plus
2: something to cover your cervix.
1: And that would be a sponge, sponge or a cervical
2: cap. There's a company called, I think they're called Femicap. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a great um, – so it's not exactly like a, a diaphragm, but it's something that's easier to use, something that kind of looks a little bit like a, a very small menstrual cup. And so it doesn't – you won't feel it during sex, but it's much easier to get in and out. And it's, it's really got great statistics and it's really mm-hmm. user-friendly.
0: This is a little bit of an out-there question, sure. but I know you can handle it. Um, <laughs> you
2: do know that about me, yes. I do.
1: So
0: <laughs> Lay it you on said me. you weren't woo-woo, but, and I wouldn't use that word because I wouldn't call myself woo-woo either. But, um, You're
1: more woo than Alisa.
0: I don't even know don't what know that, that means. I don't know like, what that I've, means
2: either. I, I have delved into so many different things. I'm a curious person. I'm a researcher by nature. So uh-huh. I've looked at as many things as I – I think that what I like is um, the certainty of knowing – yeah. How to how to optimize things. We're right? both scientists. You both definitely have
0: that, and yeah, but also believe in. I believe in nature. Yeah, and so one of my questions mm-hmm. is: you mentioned earlier this idea that you were either consciously or subconsciously intercepting your hormonal health. Like maybe that was you were stressed, you weren't eating well, you had you were misinformed, as we all are. And I very much believe that to be true. Like I think when we're stressed, I know my hormones are off and if I don't eat well, you know, I'll get some cystic acne, all those things. So on the flip side of that coin, can we consciously control our cycle? Can we consciously say, I don't want to have a period this month? Can we consciously say, you don't think so? You're, no, you're shaking. I'm your shaking
2: head. my head because the, all the things that you just described, right, are the stress is a physical symptom of cognitive dissonance, right, that you believe that you should be able to do XYZ when your biology has a different preference, right? And so, for example, you think you should work till 10 o'clock at night to finish a project. Your body does not want to do that. It's not – that's not optimal for your body. And if you do that once, okay, your body can handle the stress. If you do that constantly or things like that that are out of sync with your biology, you will have physical symptoms in increasing concentration until you pay attention and re- and shift how you are thinking about approaching whatever it is in your life.
0: Got it. So technically
2: you're saying, yeah, you could, but it's just as harmful as the opposite. Well, no – Your programming pattern, right? And so this is sort of what I was talking about before, that we all at puberty for women, young girls, this is a very, unfortunately, not a positive experience, pubescence, right? Because you go in one moment from being accepted as you are to then having this feeling of being observed in a different way, held to different standards. You don't understand the changes that are happening to your body because there's not enough education that's being given. It feels very scary right? Because we're not – you know, it's like I have a little girl, right? She needs to be – I have to explain things to her for her to feel safe, right? So it's like, okay, mommy's going to go to LA and then when I come back, you know, I'm going to be gone for four days and I will call you every day and da 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 And she's like, okay, I like that plan. I understand you're going to be far away. I get it. But you're not just leaving and I don't know where you're going and when I'm going to talk to you again. I kind of explain it to her so she can enjoy the time that I'm away, Right? We don't prepare our pubescent girls with anything and then they have this tra- – some, some form of traumatic response to their development, right? Yeah. And that thought experience does have a negative impact on your reproductive system. Dr. Northrup documented this for the first time in her book, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, that your, that your belief structure about being a female actually can show up as different conditions –
0: Right. It can inform biology. So
2: I, ha- I must have – and again, this was un- subconscious to my – it was not a conscious thought. But I must have picked up in the ether that it wasn't ideal to, or wasn't as easy to succeed as a woman. So somehow that kind of got translated into me not ev- like going through that process. Plus I had all the other functional things happening where my diet was not supportive of my hormones. There were a lot of endocrine disruptive things happening in my childhood – and so it was a perfect storm. Does, does only thought control the body? I mean, Wim Hof would say yes. I think there's more and more research saying that that is the case. But I do think that a big part of the healing work that women have to do is to just really acknowledge that it is not – You know, when you live in an environment, whether or not it's on purpose, that ignores your biology, that that, that has an emotional and psychological impact that we have to address. And I think the fastest way to heal from that is through the physical practice that I created, f- you know, for myself and that I teach women now to align with their infradian rhythm. It- I gave it a name. This process, this method is called the cycle Sinking method because when you start changing what you're eating and you confront, oh, gosh, I'm- I-, I shouldn't be eating this or I'm supposed to just be dieting all the time or whatever whatever is going to come up for you, right? You have to just keep doing what you know is factually accurate for biology and you have to heal that conditioning. So boom, it's it's faster than talk therapy. You're going to like viscerally go through that experience. The same thing with your fitness, right? You're going to confront all the body shaming stuff that comes up by – Just focusing on the workouts that are right for your biology and watch how you have to shift. You will become instantly more self-loving and compassionate and responsive and aware of yourself. And then when you take that into the realm of work and sex and motherhood and career, right, you really start to fully embrace who you actually are instead of trying to fit yourself into something that you're not and it just alchemically shifts you. So I would say, like I said the, at the beginning, the way out is in, and I think that the cycle sinking method, this radical new way for us to be supporting our infradian rhythm, is not only a way to heal the physical body, but it's also a great way to heal these emotional remnants of, of things that have been less than ideal for us as women in this environment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it also feels like we are being called to step into our power and what I love I mean I obviously love so much about what you're saying but what really resonates with me is that it really does start with the individual like as women if we can get to know and love our own biology like that's how we start to make you know big changes
2: you know how it is anytime you look back at any sort of massive change that women have initiated it just starts because we just decide time's up yeah and no shame and like this is how, this is what we're doing now, yeah. folks. get mm-hmm. on the get on it, get with it. yeah, like that's just and and it might take a minute as it has historically for everybody to catch up to us, but usually that seems to be the historical precedent that if we just decide what the new reality is going to be, it will be that. Well, you
1: are absolutely helping to paint that picture of a new reality, so thank you so much for all the work that you're doing and. All of this amazing information, putting it out there my pleasure. in your books um, and through these podcasts. So to end, we would love for you to share a light work exercise with our listeners, something to help them start to put some of what we've talked about today into action in their own lives,
2: to challenge them to put it into action. Well, there's two things that I can suggest that you do, or maybe even three. The first thing that you can do is start to track your cycle. Like, really track it, not just, oh, I'm ovulating, oh, I'm bleeding. That's, like, you know, not that interesting. It's more, oh, I'm having this particular symptom, and it's in my follicular phase. Why is that? Or I'm having acne during my ovulation, and how is that different from the acne that I get right before I get my period? Or just how you're feeling. I feel more energized. I feel more creative in this direction. I feel really interested in doing this. Tracking how it is so for you is going to help you understand that this infradian cycle is thriving in your body and needs your care and attention. You can certainly do that with the MyFlow app that I created because it has the cycle syncing methodology built in. And it will explain to you why you're feeling a certain way. So you get the internal weather pattern, so to speak. Um, so that's a really nice way for you to get a lot of education in small doses as it's happening to you day over day, week over week. The second thing that I could recommend that you do is if you do want to check out on the in intheflowbook.com website, there is a free downloadable gift where you can actually take any of the three areas that we were talking about today, food, fitness, or work, and I give you a quick start roadmap of just like one thing you could do each day to just align a little bit more with your infradian rhythm that day. And you can just do it for one one area. It could just be for work. It could just be for your workouts. It could just be for your food. It's so easy, and you're going to find that this is like an addictive kind of experience. Like, wow, that felt really good. I could feel that I'm in the flow. I want to do more. But I want you to have that easy experience. And the third thing that I think you could do is really just – this is something I started doing at the beginning of my work for myself 20 years ago. So It was very confronting for me as I would just look at myself – in the mirror, I did mirror work. This is a Louise Hay yep. tried and true. I would look at myself in the mirror and I would give myself a lot of positive, affirming talk around accepting and approving of how I looked, how I was feeling, everything I could think of. So try to make a practice of starting the day with one self approving and affirming thought mm-hmm. and do something that. that feels a little edgy, like you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. you're perfect just the way you are it's okay for me to feel a little tired today whatever however you can be self-loving mm-hmm. it changes your body
0: mm-hmm. so powerful we adore you thank you for being thank there. you for having thank
2: me you. always a treat to talk to you
0: <laughs> that was an amazing episode with Elisa vitti so fascinating to hear how a woman's body works versus a man's body and why some things maybe don't work for women that work for men, like intermittent fasting. But here at Sakara Life, we're never about restriction or trendy diets. We are all about focusing on food as medicine, and that was my personal transformation from Diet to diet to diet to diet to diet to finally understanding that when you look at food as medicine, it's about getting the right kind of food and enough of the right kind of food. And it really helped me have this sense of freedom, not only with my body, but also with my plate so today we are hearing from maggie from new jersey she wrote in to us with this sweet story about her mom who has been cooking recipes from our cookbook eat clean play dirty and has had a pretty big transformation maggie says i've been curious to try your service for years and so when the cookbook came out i ordered it so quickly as I've been cooking my way through your book, I can just tell that these recipes, these life-giving nutrients and foods are changing my life and those around me, particularly my mom. My lovely mother has been type 2 diabetes for 18 years now. Weight, blood sugar, stress, imbalances, numbers and blood sticks have ruled her life. She gets on, but she's just fine being fine. Yet she's too stubborn in her ways of only thinking that low carb and eating from a place of lack and being at the mercy of her body. So the point I wanted to make is this. My mom is now happy, satisfied, and feeling free in her dietary choices, slowly but surely. And why is that? Because of your cookbook, she's eating real, whole foods. It's not about fake low-carb, low-calorie, or a numbers game. She has to play three times a day. It's about honoring herself and tuning in to the abundance that food is. Thank you, Maggie, for that incredible note. We're so happy that your mom is using our cookbook as part of her journey to understanding that food is medicine and she deserves to feel like her best self.
1: If you have a Saqqara story that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at saqqarastories at saqqaralife.com. That's S-A-K-A-R-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at saqqaralife.com or send us a DM at Sakara Life. Don't forget to hit subscribe for the Sakara Life podcast and share this episode with anyone you think needs to hear what we talked about today.
0: And don't forget about the light work. It might feel a little hard, a little uncomfortable, but it's supposed to. The whole idea is that we lean into what's uncomfortable so we all get to shine our lights a little brighter. And we'll see you on the other side, Sakara Lights.
1: This podcast was recorded live at Noya House in New York City.